Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is a nomadic world traveler, a coach, an author, and a speaker. She retired from a career as a lieutenant, as a firefighter, and a paramedic. She sold her house and her belongings and set out to wander purely by instinct. Her word to describe this simple, fun, and beautiful way to live is to go kadiwampu. That is, to live in wonder, to embrace the unknown, and to trust life while waking up to the simplicity and complete freedom available to us all. She migrates uh, with the seasons in her Airstream trailer, which is usually located near rivers, mountains, oceans, or gorgeous desert landscapes somewhere in North America, although she is often found traveling the world via backpack too. Ladies and gentlemen, Christy Halverson. Christy! Oh, it's so fun to be here with you, Rob. For all who don't know, um, I sat in a course called Emerging Voices with Christy. And um, it was not too long after coming into this understanding, but she was there uh, passing me tissues (laughs) 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 through a bunch of tears, um, but almost like a, a birthing process in a sense where she she sat next to me as I laid over on her shoulder sometimes to sniffle uh, as we went through it together. I mean, you you had your own birthing there as well. Yeah, we all so, did. Uh, it's like like a talk with family today, but we're going to try to stay on track as best <laughs> as we can um, to to kind of what I just talked about. I know we'll get to Cotty Wampling because it's amazing. So just start me with... Um, being a badass basketball player, if you want. I didn't read that far, but I know it's true. Oh, that was uh, <laughs> way back. My knee hurts just talking about it. <laughs> That's when you know you're getting old. Yeah. Oh, man. That was a lot of where kind of Cotty Wumpling started for me was, was basketball. You know, it's funny. I can't believe you even brought that up. I forgot I even used to play. But <laughs> I played all these sports as a kid growing up. You name it, I played it. And for being a tall person, like basketball was like one of the sports I'd never really played. And I had this coach that found me in the rough. And um, she she always said, she was a basketball coach and she found me when I was in eighth grade. And she said, uh, you know, I saw you start your layup from the free throw line and it was ugly but I knew you could be a really good ball player one day. (laughs) So, (laughs) So she asked me to like, 
join her AAU, like summer basketball team. And I really wasn't that great at all. And um, she kind of took me under her wing, not only in basketball, but in life. Like she ended up being my second mom. And, um, and we're still close. And this, this was back when I was in eighth grade and I'm in my forties now, but, um, but yeah, so she got me playing basketball kind of late in the game. And it's funny that that's what I went to college on. And I, and I really think it was, it was our relationship. Like I was just, I was taken in by her and she was such a fine human being. And I dropped most all my sports and started playing basketball really seriously when I got to high school. And, um, and yeah, so basketball was my way through college and, and it got me to travel and, and begin this journey of Cody Wumpling. And um, yeah, so I'm, it's funny you brought that up because that was so far back. I, I forgot I even played. <laughs> but I love, I remember our conversations about it. And yeah. just like you lit up then, you know, you lit up when we used to talk about it, as we would say, the, the back in the days when, when I could jump as well, or when I yeah. could be the jumper as well, uh, how fun those, those times were. But then we both, Similarly, after after being youth and, and being in our youth and playing sports, we both took a career path to uh, first responder, so to speak. Yeah. Mine was through the military and protection, and then yours was a firefighter. Like, what the hell, Christy? <laughs> wow. I know. Well, it's, see, that was, I don't even know if we can get into that. That's a good story, but it's a long one. But I, I never thought about firefighting ever in my whole life. That was never in the picture. And I, they were going to kick me out of university after my sophomore year because I didn't have a degree and I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I took some tests and they pointed towards, um, there was three choices, the, the top three choices after I took all the tests to see what I would be when I grew up were auto mechanic, forester, and engineer. And they only engineer, had degrees. That is right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Got it. Okay. And I the university that. didn't have forester or auto mechanic degree. So I said, I guess I'm going to be an engineer. And so that's what I did. I did my master's and bachelor's in, in, in mechanical engineering. And I really didn't enjoy the work. So I would, I would go to work every day as an engineer and get paid really well to do something I really disliked. And every night I couldn't wait to get off. Like as soon as the clock hit five o'clock, I would run out of there and then go to the firehouse and work for free all night long. And then there came a point where I said, what am I doing? Like, I can't stand my real job and I'll go work this job for free every night and love it. And so at 24, I quote, retired from engineering and went into firefighting. (laughs) And that was the very abbreviated version because the firefighting came along in a way I can't describe. Like I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I tried and tried and really tried to figure it out. And there came a point where I just gave up and I said, well, I have no clue, but I think God does. (laughs) And I just gave up and I said, I have no, I have no idea what I want to do, but I'm going to let this play out. Let this happen, whatever it is. And then within a few months of doing that, I met a firefighter in a laundromat. And that is the seed that got planted that later on took me into a career in firefighting. And it was so funny because it happened right after I gave up trying to figure out what I wanted to do in that job. I worked in that job for 15 years and totally loved it just fell into really what I felt I was meant to do yeah that pivotal point when you when you decide to do it right to go forth in it because I didn't want to do the military at first and then I wanted to only do four years and get out a senior NCO a non-commissioned officer say well if you wanted to stay like that why didn't you just stay there and it was the click and you're right throughout the next 
that was probably a year two maybe but the next 18 19 to get me to 21 was like a bunch of different experiences like you said every day was an experience in that world and I'm sure you had the same oh yeah um that's why I loved it because I didn't I I didn't like a job where you knew what you're gonna do every day Mm. And plus the engineering job, I was working on fighter jet engines and it was like, I couldn't believe I was doing that. Like imagining the little work I'm doing on one part of a jet engine and thinking what that would do one day, like what it would be a part of. And it just, my soul ached at that. And then going into firefighting, it was just like, my only job was to help people. You know, like most people, when you, when, when you call 911 and we show up, it's most people that's either like the worst day or one of the worst days of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and it's this humongous puzzle piece or puzzle, I guess, like, cause we, as firefighters and paramedics, you go to so many different situations and you show up and, and people don't know this, but we roll up in our truck and we're like, Oh my God, what do we do here? And then we get out and we act like we know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so often we show up and, and we're like, with all the training we've done, I'm sure it's the same thing in the military. You show oh, yeah. up and you're just like, yeah, when it wow. goes boom, boom, yeah. it doesn't, no, that doesn't compute. <laughs> but there's, but there's never a sense of, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go home. You're like, no. I don't know what to do, but we'll figure this out. We're like that's, figure this out. Yeah. And then the team just comes together and, and half the time you don't, you don't really know where you're going with it. You're just trying stuff. It's, it's almost like that helped me to hone that ability to be in a situation where you roll up and you have literally no idea what to do. No idea. And you're just, but then you have full faith that it's going to work out. Yeah. And you don't even know what workout means. You're just like, all right, let's go, let's do this. And then, you know, people's lives are on the line a lot of the time. Sometimes lives aren't on the line, and, but a lot of times they are. But you just have trust in that, whoever knows what you can even call it, but you have trust that through the team and through all of you coming together and even things that you can't imagine will happen on that journey that might be five minutes long and it might be a half a day long of mitigating whatever the quote problem is that we're dealing with. But you kind of have a faith that you're going to eventually figure it out. Like something's going to happen. And it's just like when then you can, before I only saw that happened at work. And then I think is, when I fell into this understanding is when I started saying, oh, no, that's happens every day with all of us. We don't just don't realize it's happening. Yeah. You fully, you find your purpose there. You, you love what you're doing. As mm-hmm. everything knows, season begins to end and you get to transitioning. Yeah. How do we get to, and I know a lot of people want to know, we're in an Airstream traveling the world which is one of the coolest fucking Airstreams ever, mind you. I've had lunch and dinner there before, so it's cool, <laughs> you know? So that's, but how, kind of talk me through that. Well, I didn't know it was happening, you know? Okay. Just like, I didn't know I was going to go to be a firefighter. That people, everybody thought I was nuts. Like, you, you, you what? You're an engineer? What does that have to do with being a firefighter? And so it was like, <laughs> it repeated itself. And I can say this. I had this dream that when I retired, because firefighters as much the same as much it's it's very similar as military, where you work hard, you have a very tough career, but one of the benefits of a tough career is you get to retire early. Yes, yes, yes. And so I had always planned to retire at fifty-two. That was my normal retirement age, and I'm thinking, oh, you're still young. That's that's young, and I'm going to go travel in a trailer, just wander. And I always thought that was going to be what I would do when I retired. 
but actually I had some things come up in life and, and snap me into realizing, do I want to wait that long? And so mm. it was some health things with me and health things with family members and just things happening at work. And I started get this, getting this inkling of what if I don't wait till I'm 52? Like, how could that even work? And so in 2015, I had this wild, crazy dream of by the end of 2020, um, hitting the road and not really knowing how that would take place. And it seemed like one of those impossible pipe dreams. Um, and then I, I fell into coaching. So I was having a really tough spot in life. And I thought, and I never had before, like I'd never, I never had anxiety. I'd never had really anything to, for me to like seek out help with in my adult life. And there came a point where I, I remember I went to a therapist saying, I think I need meds. And uh, this therapist said, no, you don't need meds. Like she asked me what was going on in my life. And I told her everything that was happening. She goes, oh my God, you don't need meds. You need a hug. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And so she, so I saw her like three or four times and just her saying like, you're fine. You don't need meds. And like saying, I really just need to hug. Like that settled things so much, but it really didn't help all the way. And a friend of mine said, I have this coach. You should talk to him and see if, see if it helps. And then that's how I never really knew what coaching was, but I had this inkling inside of me, like he just him explaining it. I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. And so I thought about doing coaching for my, like as a second career for me. And then I finally hired this coach and things shifted so much in a matter of a few months that sealed the deal. And I, and I just said, Oh, I want to go be a coach. And in my mind, it was like part-time work as a firefighter because most firefighters have second jobs and I never had. And so that's how I fell into coaching. And I went to coaching school and got certified with the ICF and all that. And then started this small coaching business on the side. Um, And then that's when I saw the light was somewhere later in 15, early 16 that, ooh, like I could do this from anywhere in the world. I, I don't need to have a location to do this. This would fit into that dream of retiring and living in a trailer. And then that's when it started coming together and, and things started rolling and slowly, but surely I, my coaching business grew. And then some things just happened in life in 2017 that like life c- took control, like totally, it felt like I was along for the ride and be- like beginning of August of 17, the plan was still much later on. I would do this. And then by November of 17, my house was sold. I had quit my job and I was heading out on the road. And so that happened between August, September and October. And it was incredible because it wasn't part of a plan. And, um, and that's when I just started doing full-time Cotty Wampling. Full time. Yeah. So that's that's the long story short of kind of how that transition happened. It wasn't planned for. It just kind of happened. It kind of happened. And how do you how do you feel with it, the decision? The, the oh vampire. my gosh. Well, one thing, it didn't even feel like a decision. Okay. You know, like it literally felt like I was being I I, I Back then I said, it felt like someone lassoed me, like you lasso a horse. And like, I was being pulled down the road of life. Like I, I was like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. Got it. 
but it was still tough. Like there were so many times I just said, it's, am I nuts? Like I had a really good career, like being a Lieutenant, like I was a station officer. So I was in leading a, a fire station and all the guys in it. Okay. And it was, it's one of those places in the fire service where a lot of people get there and they're just like, Oh, this is what I want to do for the next 20 years. Like I had a great position. I had a great house. Like I, everything was set. And, and so it was tough to like, put that all down and, and take on something totally new and unknown. But there was something pulling me where I couldn't say no. You couldn't say no. So, but, um, but that's where the Cottywampling came in. And, um, you know, Cottywampling came in very early. I remember the, where I was, how I was sitting and everything that was happening. The moment I saw that word and, and I was in Texas camping and, early January, like the first week of January of 2016. And I saw this word Cottywample. And when I read it, like time stopped. And, and I'd never heard of the word before. And I've kind of changed the definition a little bit. But I remember reading the definition, which was in, in essence, traveling purposely towards unknown destinations. And like something stirred deep inside of me. And in that instant, I said, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing. And, and oh my gosh, this is the name of my trailer that I'll buy one day that I'm going to live in. And it was incredible. It's one of those times in life where I'll re always remember where I was and what was happening in that instant. I saw that word and it was like, so instantly I was connected to this word, Cottywample. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that was January of 16. So it was almost two years later before I finally left and hit the road and, and started actually living in the trailer named Cotty Wumple that I kind of had that I don't know if it was a it's not wasn't precisely a vision but it was just like this knowing that I was going to live in a trailer its name was going to be Cotty Wumple and this was the life I was going to live to travel purposely towards unknown destinations yeah it seems like you basically has been a very conscious of a lot of this along the way or was this all just hindsight when you look back? Well, it was funny because when I look back, it's like a perfect it puzzle. It makes perfect like, sense. Yeah, oh okay. man, it all makes perfect sense. And the time I was doing it, sometimes it made perfect sense. And sometimes it didn't make sense to me. And it didn't make sense to pretty much anyone else but me. Like I remember my boyfriend at the time who was with me camping when I saw this word Cottywumple. And I mean, I just lit up. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember telling him like, see this word? Like, that's the name of my future trailer. And I'm like, we're going to live. <laughs> like, here I am telling this man, we're going to live in this trailer named Cotty Mumple and, and wander. And he was just like, what the heck are you talking about? Like he, he really was like, he was being sweet. But he's like, okay, that's, that's sweet. That's sweet, honey. It's like one of those things like, what did you just? Like, what are you smoking or drinking, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so people thought I was nuts because here I am living a re really normal life and I've, this word landed in my lap and I'm like, this is how I'm going to live and this is the name of my future house. And so people thought I was nuts. And yeah. I, I went back and forth be between knowing that, that that's what was going to happen and thinking I was nuts at the same time. Were you nuts? I, no, I wasn't. You were nuts? But, 
I'm just asking. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, just want to make sure well, we got to the bottom of that question. Were you not? Well, I can say, not, well, I, say I say I know I wasn't with convic- conviction because I look back. The, the reason I say that with conviction now is because I look back and said, oh, my gosh. Like, if I if that me on that camping trip in Texas, reading that word Cottywumple, could see me now, like, I would just be giggling. <laughs> I would be like oh my gosh like I'm not nuts like as nuts as people thought I was and as much as I even thought I was sometimes during that journey for those few years when I was really hoping this would somehow make sense one day Mm -hmm. like yeah I I think I might have been nuts I was nuts enough to do it but now looking back I'm like no you weren't nuts at all I love it so you you travel you you see clients you still coach What's the, yep. what's a day like? What's the, well, actually, no, a day could be, give me a week. Like, what is the transition? Like, how do you, do you pick a destination? You call a friend? How does it work? How do we cottywomp it? We have no clue. We're, we're a bit nuts <laughs> about it, honestly. Let's go back to that. Okay, yeah, I am nuts. <laughs> no, I, you know, normally I'm out wandering and I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know how long I'll be where I'm at. It's it's wonderful. That's one of my most favorite things is meeting people, like hiking on trails or just sitting at a campsite or you name it. And they ask, well, where are you headed next? I'm like, I don't know. And sometimes I know the general direction. I'll be like, oh, like this this fall, I was like, oh, I'm following the leaves transitioning. Like when the one when the leaves here turn brown, I'll I'll drive till I find some ones that have nice color, you know. And, wow. <laughs> you know, like I was following the transition to the leaves. I followed this this fall. I went all the way up to the border of Maine, where, where Maine and Canada are. I wanted to go to Canada, but I couldn't. But I stayed in Maine as long as I could. I, when I got to Maine, the trees were green. And then I watched the transition. I was there in nature, watching all the leaves turn from, you know, green to reds and oranges and yellows. It was beautiful. And then I stayed until there was just, they were starting to turn brown. And, I, and I'm a Florida girl. I haven't seen leaves. Which like means this it's cold. Which means oh, it was getting cold. cold. Okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm just giving you an example. So I was in this, one of the most beautiful places I've ever lived on this lake way out in northern Maine, in the middle of nowhere, no power, no running water. To get cell phone signal, I had to drive to the top of a hill. It was about a 10-minute drive to get to a cell phone signal. But I fell in love with living on this lake and kayaking and hiking and just being in nature and just being in the quiet. And I loved it. And it just got so cold. (laughs) 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 And so I was thinking, I even told my friends and and family, I like, I let them know where I'm at just in case I end up missing. They can like follow breadcrumbs and try to find me. But they knew where I was. I was thinking, I'll stay here another week or two. And I got to a point where I just, I can't stay here. It's too cold. And the leaves were starting to turn brown. And so I just started heading southwest. And I really didn't have a destination. And I meandered. And then I met some people that had friends. And then I ended up in um, another place in Maine. And then from there, I went to uh, Vermont, I think. I get mixed up where I went first, but I went and stayed with, um, stayed in some people's farm in Vermont. And then they told me about their friends in New Hampshire. And then I went there and then I ended up in upstate New York and then you, you name it. So I was wandering around and then eventually, you know, 
I went up to Maine. It was quote summertime. It was September. And then I, I made it back to my mom's house by November. And, and that was in North Florida, but the entire trip, I had no plans, but then, but if you were to look back and see who I met and how connections led to other connections, and then someone would say, Oh, you got to go here. I'd go there. It just, it all fits together, but I really don't know where I'm going. The one thing that keeps me on my toes is having internet service. So I have usually, I try to do two to three days a week where I know I'll have service. But, but even then, sometimes I don't have service, but like that place I fell in love with in Maine, I stayed there for, I think, 10 or 12 days. But the first day I got there, I had like two days to play with that I didn't have clients. And so I drove around with my cell phone and my, my internet puck. So one's AT&T, one's Verizon. I have cell phone boosters on my truck and trailer. And I drive around kind of like someone looking for water in the old days with a stick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I drive around with my devices looking for cell service. And if I can find cell service, it's like jackpot. And then I know I can stay there for a week or so. But I, you know, when I work, I have to drive down the road to the top of the hill and do, I'll sit there in my truck for, you know, four or five, six hours, do all my work work with my clients and then go back to where I'm camping. I, I definitely, definitely understand that, that connected feeling to, to the ground beneath your feet, the wind, the water, the sounds. Yeah. You know. mm. Yeah. No, you aren't crazy. You aren't crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, too, it's like, I love just listening to you describe it. Like to me, that's what draws me. Like I just, there's something special that happens out in nature like that like deep in nature and and one of my favorite parts of living like this because people think oh you poor soul you're out living (laughs) in the middle of nowhere but there's other people out there you know Ah, that's a good point that's a very good point yeah (laughs) and it's and it's often special meeting like coming across people like i have so many deep connections and then people that i we've had conversations on you know a 12-hour hike and you just happen to pass someone and and usually a lot of times you stop and chat for a minute because you don't see many people out there and i remember just even on this last trips there were several times where like i was on this hike and i could see two two men in front of me and it's kind of exciting because i'd been on this hike for hours and i hadn't seen anyone and and i go up to almost just pass them and say hello. And then they stopped to take a break and I took a break and we sat and chatted and about deep stuff. I mean, I've known these guys for not even five minutes. And, and then I forget what we were even talking about. And this, and then one of the gentlemen, he just burst into tears right on the trail. And like we're, the three of us are just in the middle of the woods. This was somewhere, I think it was in Virginia. It was off the Blue Ridge Parkway on a a long hike. And it was one of those times where you feel so connected and you're talking about such deep stuff about life with people that you literally just met minutes before. And it's almost like you're just, you you almost don't want to leave. Like you want to spend more time with them. You want, like you hope to see each other again, like that feeling. But then you just go on knowing that all three of us will never be the same as we were before that hike. Before that hike, yeah. But then, but then that happens over and over and over again. And and I know that 
I'll never, I say never. There's a very, very small chance I'd ever see these guys again. I don't even remember their names. Like it, it's strange, but that happens a lot. And most of the time we don't even exchange info. It's just, it's almost too pure to even do that. You have yeah. this conversation, yeah. you have this moment, and then you just go on living life. And it's, yeah. and I, I can say that, that this journey, part of this journey that I've seen so many deep, deep things about life that I, I feel like I couldn't have seen had I been sitting in an office somewhere, but I could have, I just, it just feels that way. But one of the things that really I've seen throughout the last, you know, three and a half years of living like this is the the best words I can say to it is like, I've learned how to say goodbye, Hmm. but I'm not really, it's, it's, I can't put words around it. You're not saying goodbye. You know, like the, 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 the two guys on the trail. Yeah. I'm like we never really said goodbye, yes. but I've learned that, you know, like you have a best friend in your life and you're thinking, oh, that's been my best friend for 20 years. Like I couldn't be closer to anybody as I am with him or her. But then you realize that you can be, you can have that closeness with two guys you met on a trail in the middle of the woods in Virginia. And then you can kind of say so long, kind of with the hope that you'll see them again, but knowing it's totally fine if you never do. Yeah. I don't know if that how that even comes across. So it's not really knowing to say goodbye, but it's like knowing I can say so long, like not being so attached no, to attached. the physical presence yeah. of specific people. I totally know that connected feeling. Um, Jasmine said something to me once. She says, we're always connected to the people in front of us, but we disconnect by putting the, the layers of the stories in between us. And that mm-hmm. stuck out to me because what you're basically saying is because there was no story, you all just got to be human beings. Right. It wasn't, oh, I'm a girl on the trail. These are guys. What if they do this? What if that happens? What if this? And don't be this. And don't think about that. And none of that. No. Yeah. Like none of that. There's none of that. None of that. So <laughs> that's beautiful in itself. The purity you can flow in. Yeah. Yeah, like what you just said even reminded me of something else. Like, like knowing how much humans love helping each other. You know, like I know I used to be this person. I never liked to ask for help. I was very independent. Thought I could do it all on my own. Even if I didn't know how to do it, I thought I could figure it out. And I, I remember my mom. I've hurt my knee several times, and the last one was in the fire department. I really tore it to shreds. Had to get reconstruction. And I was living by myself. My mom, my mom was on the phone crying, saying, just ask for help. Like, these firefighters you work with, like, they'll come and they'll, they'll mow your yard or they'll do this. Just ask for help. You know, like, I, I, need, I think I needed ice for the cooler that was helping my knee heal. And, and, she, and I didn't want to call anybody. She's like, just ask for help. People enjoy helping. And I, and I always remember that because I didn't want to ask for help. And then I started doing it a little bit. And I saw the joy that it actually brings people when you ask for help. And, you know, fast forward many years till now, and it's, it feels so easy for me to ask perfect strangers for help. Mm. You know, like I'll be out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember there was this one time and it was around the same time as I met those two guys in, on the trail. I think it was like the night before or two nights before that I was trying to turn my trailer around in this very, very, very small parking lot. And then there was this curb that I just knew I need an extra set of eyes. And I, and I saw this couple come walking and I said, Hey, and it was, it was like 
almost totally dark. And I'm like, can you guys help me move my trailer? Like I need to get it around this corner and I can't do it by myself. And they were so excited. You know, they, they were so excited to help and, and they worked with me and we, you know, we did like a 37 point turn, you know, like back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> but they were so excited to help. Yeah. And then we ended up sitting out in this parking lot and talking again, like just connecting and talking and chatting afterwards, after my trailer was free and I was pointing in the right direction. But I mean, that's just one like silly little story of uh, like asking people for help and then being open for help. Yeah. And, and living in a 20 year old Airstream, like things break a lot and I've gotten really handy, but then there's times where I just don't know what, what I'm doing. And it's been amazing how many times people will just volunteer. They'll see me and, and like, just know I need some help. And it was, it's crazy how the people show up at the perfect time. Like I was have I was needing some to figure something out electrically. And then I'm a part of this, this group that we, that they allow people to stay in their driveways or on their farmland. And I went, I asked this guy, can I come stay in your yard? I need to fix uh, a problem with my trailer. And I just need some place to be for about a day. Like I have all the tools. He's like, yeah, come on over. I didn't know anything about him. And I got there and he ended up being like a, a, electronics guy like an electrical engineer like hands-on like pulls cable wires and, and does a electricals for people's office buildings and he was watching me and you could tell he felt bad like he didn't want to offer he goes I don't want to step on your toes but I really want to help you like and I'm like oh my gosh like please like will you like, please. please step on all my toes and like he jumped in was so excited just to help me and like, what would have taken me probably the whole day, pulled my hair out, watched 15 YouTube videos. Like he jumped in and he had it done in five or 10 minutes, you know? And it's amazing how that happens, but it's like being open to allowing that to happen. And, and I mean, I know we don't have that much time, but I have so many stories of humanity, you know, whether it's just chatting about deep life stuff or helping people on the road or me helping them, them helping me, you name it. But I think my journey yeah, I travel and get to see a lot of stuff. But the biggest part of the journey for me, which is strange to say, because I used to be like, really kept to myself is, is, is seeing people and not just seeing with my eyes. Mm. That was perfect because I usually end most of the episodes with opening it up for you to talk to a bunch of people who are listening and I think yeah. you just said it right there but if they didn't hear you say it again <laughs> everybody's listening everybody's listening to Christy right now what is it that you want to share with them I think it is about seeing people but not with our eyes thank you for listening to today's episode for more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.